0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We've got a busy day. we got a busy day. i got a lot of things. I've been I'm bouncing around my brain, and I've got a busy, busy show for you then because it's been such a busy day. So welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget... Visit ProAmericaReport.com to do two things. Find your favorite interview, find your favorite segment, and also sign up for the Daily Wink. The Daily Wink, what you need to know. The Wink, what you need to know. And we'll get to that in a moment. In a couple of minutes, we will talk. with. We have two great guests today and these two great topics. One topic is what's happening with the census that's supposed to give us our uh, our, uh, congressional districts apportionment, they call it, reapportionment. It's supposed to happen. It's all delayed why is it delayed? What's the story? Who's in charge? We'll talk with a new guest on the program who has written a piece over in the New American. New American is a great magazine. And Steve Bias is a professor at Randall University. He writes about the reapportionment process and how it's being, well, messed up. And uh, the solution, of course, it won't surprise you, is more conservatives and Republicans having a backbone. We'll see if that can happen. And we'll talk with Steve in a few moments. And then we'll, talk, we'll be joined by Mickey Kaus, the great Mickey Cows, a Democrat. I don't say that often when I put great before somebody's name. But he's a great guy, very smart, very good on things like the impact of uh, of the uh, corrupt unions in America, uh, the impact on, uh, on immigration on workers. And also something he's been writing about for years, which is how welfare reform, welfare to work, had a positive effect on Americans where they got, they, they got incentivized to get jobs instead of incentivized to sit home. And he has identified and has been on a rampage. He's really, and I don't know if I should say that because I think it's against uh, somebody's going to probably shut me down, but he's on a, he's on a verbal rampage on Twitter. It's uh, at Kaus Mickey, talking about the COVID relief, relief bill, which has over a hundred billion dollars for a new welfare program a one-year welfare program that would pay people, I think, almost $6,000 to stay at home, and there's no work requirements, and it just would be a total, total boondoggle and a disaster for the quality of people's lives, because what Welfare to Work did was create the incentive for many people that could to get back to work, and most ended up doing better, and the ones that couldn't could still stay on the program, could still stay within welfare, if there were reasons that that happened in general. So... um, We've got uh, we've got to uh, we'll talk with him about that and uh, and a lot more. So uh, but first, we got to get to what you need to know and what you need to know today is this. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are marching their way through this nation and trying to seize control of the elections now, what do I mean? Well, HR one, and I'm trying to simplify this for you. I did a I did a Periscope uh, uh, early on Friday. I did a Periscope for some of my viewers there, and I said I want to simplify this. HR one, which it means it's the number one priority of Nancy Pelosi. HR one, and HR one. Is is intended to do lots of stuff, but I just want to shorthand it for you. I want to tell you the easy way to think of the shorthand. And the shorthand is this. Think of remember two things. HR1, the Pelosi Election Seizure Act, that's what I call it. But just remember these two traits. Okay. Number one, the the the, the law would be passed and it would say no election. That has federal involved, which is almost every election, but no election where there's a federal race, meaning Senate, Congress, uh, Senate, U.S. House, president, may use a photo ID, except with this exception, that anyone who has asked for a photo ID may instead affirm by signing and swearing that they are who they say they are. Well, that means there's no photo ID requirement, right? I mean, you could picture out how this works. This works. You go into the polling place and someone says, I photo ID, please. And they say, I don't have one. And then the person behind the thing says, that's okay. If you just sign this piece of paper and tell us you are who you say you are, well, that'll be good enough. Well, you might as well not have a photo ID. That's intentional, right? That's intentional. That guts the prospect of photo ID. And no one tells you or me what the argument is. For no photo ID. 12 years ago, when I was working in Missouri, they were arguing that photo IDs were uh, not easily accessible to people of low income. That's that's just not true anymore. If it was true then, I'm not sure it was true then. We actually went about passing a bill that gave free photo IDs to people, and we went out creating mobile units to take photographs of people to, to make photo IDs, driver's license, et cetera. But now, today, come on. That's not even close. So that's number one. Think to yourself. Pelosi wants to seize the elections. And she's going to eliminate photo ID. Number two, you have to be a U.S. citizen to vote, to register to vote, except when you register to vote, all you have to do is tell the person, affirm, I promise I'm a U.S. citizen. Well, doesn't that invite, you know, isn't that basically saying everyone's going to register to vote and then you're never going to catch the problem. You're never going to get back to the problem. This is the most cynical stuff we've ever seen. It's the worst move we could ever do. And here's the real reality. The real reality is this. We have a problem. We have a problem after the November 2020 election with people's perception of the election. A hundred million Americans, at least, think the election was irregular, problematic. A lot of them think it was fraudulent, but I don't even care about that. Let's go. Let's go for the least uh, dramatic term. Let's just say a um, hundred million people believe that this was problem irregular, meaning there were not the regular ways things go. We had COVID in effect. We had twenty times the number of mail-in ballots. We had different irregularities. You know, I tell people it's like when you say the word extraordinary. Extraordinary means not ordinary. Irregular means not regular. Not in the regular way. Not No one can say the 2020 election was a regular election, right? It was regular. So we have a confidence problem. When we have a confidence problem, we should address it. What is that Nancy Pelosi doing instead of addressing the problem? She's actually making it worse. She's making it worse for people to have confidence in the election. Now, you say to yourself, is she doing that intentionally? It sure looks like it. It sure looks like it. And here's a little trick. Let me tell you a little history. Almost everything in H.R. 1, including these big two that I'm telling you about today, has been in H.R. 1 every time Nancy Pelosi has filed it, and she's filed it every time she's been speaker. In other words, this has been the plan all along. This is not, don't, don't let anybody tell you they're codifying the the COVID, uh, you know, the, the things that we had to do to make COVID work. No, no, they're not. They're doing, it's a power grab. It's a power grab for their side, and they know it will work. And the only question is whether we the people... And conservatives are going to tolerate it. And so, you know, Now, if you think about what you need to know today, I just would say, think about how I'm talking about three big issues right now that are coming at the American people right now. And this isn't even some of the other ones that you know about, but three big issues. Pelosi's grab of the election authority and changing our elections permanently. That's her goal. We have the reapportionment where the the census is not being published. It's not being finished by the Biden administration. We don't know what's going to happen with all these congressional seats. And then as Mickey Kaus is saying, this massive welfare program that's been injected into our, our, the COVID relief bill. I mean, this is big stuff that's happening and it's happening fast. And what the, what the media is counting on and what the Democrats are counting on is that we're not able to follow it fast enough that we're moving. Everything's moving too fast. We cannot track it all. And the, um, and we have to know that these are, this is what the issues that are at stake. And I got to tell you, if you're not diligent, if you're not diligent for what's happening now, we're missing a lot of things. We're missing a lot of important moments. And, uh, you know, when I was talking to Mickey Kaus earlier today, uh, texting him to see come on, he said, I'll come on anywhere, anytime because we have to yell from the mountaintops on this because they're about to pass a massive welfare giveaway that will be terrible, terrible for the lives of millions of people and they'll say it's good because they'll say we're throwing money at something and they're not they're throwing money into a failed system and trying to make things and they will make things worse whether they're trying to or not i don't know i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read their minds i don't have the ability to read their minds so that's what you need to know and and here's my thing now i'll talk about this at the end of the program. People need to step up. It's easy to do now. You can get the email addresses off the Internet. You can call the House and Senate and and, and you can say, hey, do not go for this stuff, because there are some Democrats, Senator Manchin, Senator Sinema from Arizona, who say they're willing to be more moderate. I don't know. We'll see it. We'll see it to believe it. But also, the Republicans need to stand together and use every single possible way to fight this stuff. And then more more than anything, we have to make clear what's happening so that people in this country will look up and say, yeah, in the midst of a crisis, you're creating welfare programs. In the midst of a crisis, you're choosing the old, broken way to do things to try to fix welfare or make, make welfare worse. worse. And you're not, you're not doing your job on the census and reapportionment because why? One of the reasons why, by the way, we'll talk with uh, Professor uh, Steve Bias about his piece is because the people who are going to benefit from reapportionment more conservative states, a bunch of House districts are going to move to, to more conservative states. That's part of what's going on. There's a lot to digest here, but it's very important. I want to encourage you to focus in on what's happening and then take action about it and then find a way to step up and, uh, and, and move and, uh, and pay attention to uh, exactly uh, what you can do and what your people can do. It's a very important moment. All right, we have to take a break. When we come back, we got a lot of great guests. And don't forget, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the Daily Wink. We're up to 80,000, just under 80,000. I shouldn't overstate it. It's just under 80,000, over 79,000 uh, uh, email addresses in our system. We're emailing every morning, 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. You get an email in your inbox. Check it out. We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Many, many issues, many issues uh, that are going on in this country, and it's hard to keep track of them. In fact, it seems like sometimes that we're not supposed to keep track of them, that things are moving around us, and we don't even know what is happening, and maybe they don't want us to. So uh, our next guest is uh, Steve Bias, who's a history and government professor. He writes over at uh, The New American, and I enjoy The New American a lot. We've had uh, uh, Alex Newman, our old friend, who writes over there quite frequently on. It's very thoughtful, very serious good conservatives steve's got a piece up in the recent edition of the new american you go to the new american.com you can track all a lot of their stories this one is entitled reapportionment's history and the political in- impact and it's taught where we're, we're going to talk with steve about the u.s census and what is happening and some of what's happened since biden got in and all the rest so steve welcome to the program how are you today
2: very good thank you for having me
1: so first, do me a favor, Steve, and pretend I'm dumb, which is always a good bet, and just tell us exactly what what what's the context here? What's reapportionment? How does it work in the modern context? What did the founders intend? I mean, kind of walk us through uh, what 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 the modern where, where we at where we are at at this moment.
2: Well, the historical context is that uh, one house of the Congress is was to be. Uh, chosen by uh, population. In other words, the more people that a state had, the more representatives they would get to send to the bicameral Congress. Um, and uh, today, uh, because of political parties, uh, this has become even uh, more of a battle. But reapportionment, uh, what they do is uh, the Constitution provides that every 10 years you have a census. And from that census, they get a population, and then uh, they divide uh, among the, the 50 states. According to that state's population, uh, how many representatives each state would be entitled to in Congress. And that's that's reapportionment.
1: And where are we right now, Steve, in terms of what this moment is? I mean, we should be. So the census was going on last year. Some of us remember the fight President Trump was trying to say, uh, his administration say, let's how about we just count the actual American citizens and not illegals and other things. And, and the left argues there's some ambiguity uh, there. But where are we right now? We should be getting those um, those maps, the census that shows where people live so we can see where there should be congressmen. And we're not getting it right now. Right.
2: Well, I think what happened uh, was that, uh, of course, uh, uh, the Trump administration uh, was uh, having certain considerations that they wanted. And we'll talk about, I'm sure. And and, uh, the uh, uh, Democrats uh, did not like where he was headed. And so they uh, threw up these legal roadblocks, going to court and so forth. And that has delayed uh, the census so it's going to be real cramped here for state legislatures to get the, the information and they have to have that not only to draw new congressional district boundaries but their legislative boundaries in their states and, and but it's all because of uh, political battle uh, that's going on now as far as uh, who to count you know I think uh, the Trump uh, Uh, I lean towards the Trump administration's position on this, that uh, the Constitution never said to count every single person. It always excluded some people, excluded uh, tourists. It excluded foreign diplomats, excluded American Indians who were not citizens of the United States because they were under the jurisdiction of their tribe. And I think that would be the same thing with uh, people who are here illegally. They're not under the jurisdiction of the United States. They're under the jurisdiction of the country that they're a citizen of. So they
1: should not... Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, it, by the way, let me uh, remind our listeners, we're talking with uh, Steve Bias. His book is over. It's, by the way, I'm pronouncing it B-Y-A-S. Uh, but, so that's how it's spelled when you go look for it. He's also an author. Back in 2015, he wrote a book. It's really interesting. History's Greatest Libels, A Challenge to Some of the Great Lies of History. I should say, the, the book interests me. I haven't read it yet. When I read it, I'll have you back on, Steve, because the opening line right. of the description of the book is, George Orwell said, quote, so Orwell, everybody knows how 1984 feels like. It's right now. So he, this is Orwell. Quote: The most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their own understanding of their history. And uh, so it's a uh, perfectly timed. And uh, and uh, Professor Bias is over at Randall University in Oklahoma. And so and we're back to his co- his column though in the New American reapportionment history and political impact. So, but um, what what should happen next? Right? We should get the census. We should get the apportionment. Um, some states should lose seats. Others shouldn't. Uh, you know, one of the things that the late Phyllis Schlafly wrote about was some states are going to not get seats because other states are going to gobble them up. You're going to have more count, higher count in California because they're counting illegals and others. And we don't even know who they're counting. Um, I mean, we've seen fraud in elections. Why isn't there or maybe there is massive and 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 huge fraud in census counts?
2: Well, the uh, census is a federal undertaking. Uh, I would uh, I would suspect if it was uh, done by the state, uh, uh, then there would be in those states like California. Now, uh, at one time, you know, you, you hire local people, though. That That's the thing. It may be a federal responsibility under the Constitution, but they go out and hire all these local people. and And I'm sure that there's some activists in there. And unfortunately, I think they're probably more on the other side of our political opinion.
1: Uh, by the way, in this piece, I always remind people that the, the phrase gerrymandering came not from some, uh, you know, a hybrid, uh, salamander or anything. It's, uh, Governor Jerry of Massachusetts and his legislature up there, uh, came and took, and the Jerry on the salamander is Jerry, uh, was hit the governor. They drew a bunch of districts. One of them was in the odd shape of a salamander, and that's how we get the word gerrymander. So, but, um, you know, one of the solutions in the, uh, and I use that term loosely, in the Pelosi takeover of elections, uh, HR1, is to make sure that the legislatures don't set the the, the the districts in their states but it instead is done by a commission now how and why we think a commission would be better than another body of people who are elected called the legislature I don't know but what 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 do you think about um, about the uh, the attacks as you write in the book on legislative redistricting authority
2: see uh, uh, and that that is a good point that uh, You know, the uh, state legislatures used to have a lot more clout in our federal system than they have now. And we could go through a lot of different reasons why they gave it up. But uh, the 17th Amendment, uh, which uh, had direct popular election of senators instead of by the legislature, they lost that. Uh, The 16th Amendment gave them a lot, you know, the federal government all this money with the income tax. About the only thing the state legislature has left now. Uh, to have any sort of leverage over their congressional delegation is they redraw the congressional district boundaries. And so if you're a member of the House, you don't want to get on the wrong side of the legislature because they can throw you in with a more popular member, you know, put your district uh, right. where you're living. Uh, they can uh, do all these sort of things. They can redraw your line in such a way as take out... Uh, you know, uh, people that are have historically have voted for you and put in people that they think will vote against you, and, and so uh, it's it, it, it's something that the state legislature would have some clout. How they would think that a, a commission would be nonpartisan? Anybody that's interested in being on these commissions, you would think, would be people who. are, pretty interested in the political process, and they're going to be partisan. I think it's a joke to say that, like in Arkansas, uh, they have a commission made up of the governor, the attorney general, and the secretary of state. Now, you tell me how that's
1: less partisan. <laughs> than the yeah. That? Exactly. Yeah. Well, in, in Missouri, which I'm most familiar with. And again, we're talking with uh, Professor Steve Bias uh, from Raleigh University. He's got a piece over in the uh, New American in Missouri, the Missouri plan for picking judges. They say, Oh, it's the nonpartisan, you know, it's, oh, it's yeah. a commission and there's a commission and the, and, and the people on the commission are, are handpicked by all these uh, politicians. They're as partisan as anybody. In fact, the, the beauty for them is they're unaccountable directly, right? I mean, my thing is make it, Absolutely. I'm happy to let everybody, I'm letting you, you can be a Democrat and pick of all kinds of things if you want to, if you want to pick judges, if you want, but you ought to have your name on the ballot. So somebody can actually organize to come and say, you're the one that did this and we're going to, we're not going to tolerate it. So, uh, all right, Steve, what happens now? Where's the crisis point? Because it feels like we're building towards a point where we're being, we're being rolled by uh, the power of the big tech and big media. And I often tell my listeners, big tech, big media, plus now big government, they, they, they drive the narrative and the narrative machine machine, it just hammers a narrative and it says, oh, this is what we got to do for equity and equality and all that. Where are we headed, in your opinion, uh, on this uh, on this question of reapportionment?
2: Well, I think that uh, where we're headed, it depends a lot on the backbone of state legislatures and uh, in, you know, like in states like Georgia, I noticed that they're really trying to tighten up their uh, election laws. And you see what's happening is uh, they're. Uh, the 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 media that you're talking about, they're casting that as they're trying to suppress votes because they they want to make it. I think this uh, legislation that Pelosi's pushing would allow votes to be counted up to ten days after the election. And you know what hmm. that's all about? So they can have ten days to find the votes they need to carry the enough states. <laughs> to the, right, right. the votes. Yeah, so figure
1: happens. out the number. They okay, need the number. Sure. Yeah. Uh,
2: and this, yeah. uh, All right. these redistricting, um, I'm
1: sorry. No, go ahead. Finish, finish. I don't want to cut you off. These go ahead. Finish, please. Commissions
2: are definitely, uh, Democrats. Uh, Eric Holder and former president Obama are, are two of the leaders in the, in this whole movement. Now you tell me what that means.
1: <laughs> there you go alright Steve I have to run unfortunately we're out of time Steve Bias is, uh, his piece he's a professor over at Randall University his piece is in the New American and it's called Reapportionment's History Political Impact I'll put it up on social media thanks uh, professor for the time we'll talk again soon
2: alright thank you for having me
1: alright we'll take a break and be right back it's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report we'll be back in a moment by the way you can listen to this and other of our interviews over at ProAmericaReport.com we'll take a break be right back Ed Martin Pro America Report. Welcome, 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 welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and our old friend Mickey Kaus, who you can follow at on Twitter, at Kaus Mickey, K-A-U-S-M-I-C-K-E, is with us, joining us. I'm glad to grab him because he is in full uh, war footing. I don't know if you could say war footing anymore, Mickey, after the great insurrection. You might get in trouble, but he's in full war footing, uh, worried about what's happening with the so-called COVID relief bill, which is actually a transformation of a whole bunch of different things. Um, so welcome, Mickey. First of all, how are you today? Thanks. I'm fine, although I'm alarmed uh, by what's happening in the Capitol,
3: because in, in the middle of this bill, the Democrats have, have stuck in basically a recreation of the old welfare program, a, a program that sends federal checks to families, whether or not they work, single parents, broken homes. They all get a government check, 300 bucks per kid or 250. Uh that adds up to six, $7,000 a year. We're going to have whole parts of the country where people are going to be living on these checks, not having to work the whole culture of dependency that we thought we'd gotten rid of uh, when Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich reformed welfare in 96, it's all going to come back. And they are voting on it like today, tomorrow,
1: Sunday. Well, we're talking with Mickey Kauss, and let me set this up for our listeners that might be cluing in on this one or watch our Eagle listeners who are tuning in. Mickey Kaus says he wrote a book in 1992, The End of Equality. I'm the only man in America that has both the original <laughs> article that it was based on and the book, uh, so you can find that. But he is, he's a prolific tweeter. He did run for office once U.S. Senate. We won't talk about how that turned out. But uh, one of the things that Mickey does is hones in on these policy issues, whether it's some of the immigration debate or the effect of uh, unions and things. And this one he's been on for a long time So Mickey, first of all Back to the point, Clinton and Gingrich, for all sorts of reasons, they were funny bedfellows. But on this question, they transformed welfare and said the welfare. Si- basically, I'm going to do a real, you know, simple summarize welfare. We're going to have a welfare system, but you got to y- there's going to be a work component. And I'm just going to tell you this quick story. My wife uh, tells the story of one of her colleagues when she was working in St. Louis at the Barnes Hospital there, and it was a woman who was about sixty, fifty five, maybe. This is a few years ago now, and the woman. Said said when they put in the welfare uh, to work it forced her and her friend to get jobs and she said she realized a few years later that thank goodness they did because they had been in this sort of rut where they were sitting around and waiting and so my point here is that was the shift in the very large welfare uh, program so why do the and, and most people say it was successful so why do the democrats want to change it what's the point
3: well they the democrats are fixated on money and in getting people over the poverty line, and they think if they just send checks to everybody, it will get people over the poverty line. They, they ignore the effect of culture and the effect of uh, not going to work. What, the, what effect that has on people and families, as you say, when Clinton and Gingrich said you have to go to work, the welfare rolls dropped by half work roles increased by a staggering amount, unprecedented, like 10, 20 percentage points from 43 percent to 60 percent. Uh, poverty dropped, child poverty dropped. And, and and the working women stuck with it through through recession and near depression. And, and as a result, child poverty was, in 2019, the lowest ever recorded for all races. And, the, and the, that's not good enough for the Democrats, that progress. They have to start throwing money at people, and that has... We know I've seen it in my own life when I have a free income I don't work. <laughs> well, they, well uh, you know that's the human nature and the, and they're just they're, they're,
1: they're playing, playing with fire. Well, and again, we're talking with Mickey Kaus at Kouse Mickey on Twitter. Very it's a very helpful Twitter feed um, about this uh, in at the heart at the center of the covid relief bill, so-called is this transformation of the welfare. How are they doing it? How, how are they are they sort of waiving the uh, work requirement? I mean, how practically how no, are it's they? A brand, it's a brand new program. Fast. It's, they pretend it's a
3: tax credit. So okay. if you owe taxes, they'll take the $6,000 off your taxes. But if you don't have taxes, they'll send you a $6,000 check. So it's really a check-cashing, check-mailing program under the guise of a tax credit. And everybody thinks uh, it's just like the old child tax credit which only went to taxpayers. No, it goes to people who don't work and pay no taxes. Uh, and the press hasn't covered it. It's it's a stealth program. Uh, it's, it's dwarfed by the larger size of the $1.9 trillion bill it's it's only a mere 120 billion dollar program which is more than the food stamp program but uh it's uh but it, people haven't paid attention. It's sneaking through. Only now recently have they begun to pay a little attention because Senators Rubio and Lee have opposed it, and the White House started to brag about it. That's the thing. Huh. The reporters started reporting it because they started to brag that oh we're,
1: we're ending poverty. Um, and we're talking with Mickey Kaus, and Mickey, at the risk of getting us off target, we're talking about this uh, this COVID relief bill that has at the center of it a, a, a new welfare program that would. And and I guess one point is that this program would. Eclipse, the other welfare program, it's in the same it's the same set of uh, eligibility who can get it. Right. So it will pretty quickly. The other one goes away or they both stay. Oh, yep. No, the, the
3: other one. This is on top of the other one. The other one stays. Oh. And you're right. It eclipses it in size and reach. And the key thing is this is only in theory for a year. But this is the other cunning thing. They think that when they move to make it permanent in in a year, and Biden's already said he's going to do that, that that Americans will like their checks so much that nobody will dare take those checks away from them
1: I see uh, yeah uh, like that, that's and that's a classic uh, move that there's no um, there's no you can't eliminate you know it's like when uh, for for decades Republican presidential candidates ran on reforming and cutting Medicare finally Donald Trump realized you can't say that out loud whether whatever you think of the programs you're never going to get rid of these entitlement programs now Mickey at, at the risk of getting off the off the specific bill I, you know I, th- I think of you every time I hear Susan Rice or someone in the White House say we're we're not Not going to be for equality. We're not going to worry about inequality. We're worried about equity. And so I want to. I've been thinking to ask you about this. I mean that the equity meaning. Not we're not going to try to make everybody equal or make everything the inequality sort of disappear or make it possible. We're going to decide who gets to be equitable. I mean how 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 uh, crazy is that system? How dramatic is it? Or is it more just a, a word and a talking point? It's really not not changing things. Well, it, it's an ambiguous talking point, and that's a, that's that's why the Democrats
3: use it. Does it just mean that they're going to give people a hand up who are in trouble, or is it mean you are going to have preferences and funnel money and jobs to uh, the favored minorities who are blacks and Latinos, uh, and and w- without regard for equal treatment? Uh, it increasingly means the latter, and it's sort of a it's sort of a way to make the new woke politics a little more respectable to the general public if it gets widely adopted. Uh, you know, there's some instances where it may make sense. You know, Latinos in California are getting COVID at record rates, m- way more than blacks. So if you put vaccine centers in Latino district, that makes sense. You can say that's equity. You can say that's good public health. But if it if it becomes like, well, we have to have, uh, you know, unqualified or semi-qualified or not as qualified people, uh, in a strict racial quota well that's that's another thing
1: all right so all right, now give me the last uh one last thing what 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 do we got to do now i mean you got basically you're you're screaming bloody murder everywhere you can i mean i when i texted you this morning at the crack of dawn you said oh come on because we got to scream bloody murder so tell me what tell me what people need to do and the timeline and how important it is well, well the important thing is pressuring some of these
3: alleged moderate Democratic senators like Kristen Sinema, Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin and Tester uh, to know there's a political price that's going to going to be paid also for congressmen, uh, Democratic congressmen who are running in 2022 if they vote to send money to people who don't work. And that was a potent issue before. It's still a potent issue. And you're going to lose your race if you vote for this. So maybe... When the, when, it, when the vote comes up later this year to make it permanent, they will, they will defect and say no. Uh, and it only takes one or two of them to turn the tide. So, where's,
1: would, the, where's the most important man in America, uh, uh, Senator Manchin of West Virginia, on this? Well, I
3: think he's, you know, Manchin is, as they say, transactional. I think he cut a deal where I'm going to make a big stick about near a tandem, but I'm going to go along with you, Joe Biden, on this much more important thing, which is recreating welfare. So, I don't have much hope. For
1: Biden
3: hmm. wow. I, I have much more hope For cinema Or somebody like Diane Feinstein Or Tester hmm. Only take one of them to, to be scared You have to scare them You're going to lose Your race If you vote for this bill hmm.
1: All right Mickey Kaus At KausMickey Mickey On Twitter K-A-U-S-M-I-C-K-E-Y Follow him And find out more Thanks Mickey For taking the time Thanks a lot Ed All right We'll be right back It's Ed Martin Here on the Pro-America Report Back in a moment This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report a daily look at the
0: significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, deny freedom of religion, slander America, and would redefine the family. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed
1: Martin. It used to be that when you talked about love, the most important words in the conversation were, I do. Today, the phrase love is love, has emerged as the biggest talking point in the discussion. The left would have us to believe that if we reject the LGBT agenda, we're rejecting the very idea of love. As you might expect, the truth is far different from the leftist soundbites. The love is love mantra relies on the presumption that all love should be able to lead to sex, marriage, children, and so on. However, no one honestly believes that all kinds of love should lead to those things. Different kinds of love call for different responses from society. The government is not in the business of designating who can love whom. Instead, they're in the business of designating legal units for the purpose of creating stable environments in which to raise children into responsible citizens. A celebrity followed by millions of American children recently came out as bisexual by telling her fans that she has enough love in her heart for both boys and other girls. Like it or not, that's the rhetoric the left is using now conservatives have to recognize it and be ready to respond support for traditional marriage as the only best option for men and women is not a condemnation of love it certainly is not a position of hate support for traditional marriage is a recognition of the basic sociological fact that children do best when they have a father and a mother The love is love rhetoric says nothing about the children who end up in the middle of messy divorce situations at a disproportionately high rate compared to those in heterosexual marriages. When the purveyors of depravity hide behind the slogan, love is love, they spread the lie that love only boils down to who you are physically attracted to. That's not a healthy attitude to teach our children. Conservative parents must take it upon themselves to teach their children the complexities of healthy, loving relationships. We can't trust the culture to do it for us.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At PhyllisSchlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family, To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back, welcome back, Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Hey, it's a, it's one of those days where we got to do a uh, what you need to do. It's a window today because I need you. If you've been listening to this, and I'll take a rundown through them again. You have to get uh, connected. You have to t- take a moment. You have to go find uh, your uh, your your representative, your senator, and you have to make some calls and emails right now, right now. And it, when you, if you're listening to this on the podcast, listening to this on the radio, listening to this uh, as a standalone link on social media, you just have to do this because we are we we are in big big trouble if the if we are not going to if we don't influence the members of our United States uh uh Senate and House about what's happening because we just have to drive up and we can do it. We can do it because it's um it's you, you social media allows it, emails allow it and um and so here's the number to call, the, the switchboard. Let me make sure I'm getting the switchboard for the uh yeah, there it is. The the US Capitol switchboard is 202-224-3121, okay? 202 202- Two two four three one two one, and and you can find their email addresses online, and you can send them an email. Here's the three issues that we're facing in these days. Right now, we're facing these three issues. Number one, the Nancy Pelosi HR one sees the election cause the No f- Free and Fair Election in the Future Act, which I told you about is going to let illegals register to vote. It's also going to eliminate photo ID, and those are by the way two only two of the massive things. There's also same day registration, but I tell you, short, shorten it down. It's hey, we don't want this. Okay. The second one is in the COVID relief bill, there is a massive welfare program. That's just horrendous. Not because we don't want to help people. There's plenty of help for people, but this is a massive giveaway. That's welfare without welfare to work without the proven uh, stuff. They proven ways that we know things can work better if you have a, a relief program. So that's the second one. And the third one, It's a little bit more convoluted, but ask your member, why is it, why is the census not done? Why are we not getting, uh, why are we not getting, uh, the, um, the, why aren't we not getting the new districts in my state, in my, in my, uh, neighborhood? I mean, you know, we're, ask them that. So there's three things, but here's my point. We have to start to activate. We have to start. I was looking at a draft speech. Uh, General Mike Flynn is going to give a couple of events next week, and he sent me a draft speech that he's going to give. I think he's down in Florida for two or three events, and he was in there, and he gets to the end of his speech, and he says, When do you think it's the time to act? And then he pauses, and he says, I can tell you now is the time to act. And that's the point. We're all tired. I don't know. If we're all tired, but we've been, everybody's been tired. We've been up and down, all that. It is time to engage completely and move into this, into these issues. And these couple of key issues are really important and, and they can be a part of uh, an ongoing co- uh, conversation. Here's the thing. The, uh, what I would say is the, the, the reality of this moment is it moves so fast because of social media and because of what's happening. It is really, really helpful for us to make our voice. You may say, well, is it just me? It was, uh, you know, what, what the uh, we have a chance to really move the needle and you got to do this. So um, the... Um, the, I, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Again, the capital switchboard number, I'll give you that. It's 202 224 3121. 202 224 3121. And also go on and find your reps, uh, your congressman's uh, email address, your senator's email address. It doesn't matter if they're Democrat or Republican. Weigh in. Weigh in. And get yourself familiar enough, like listening to the earlier segments, and and understand what's at stake, and make your point. Make your point loud. Make your point clear. It's an important time, okay? So that's, that's what I want to do. I want to make sure you do that. We'll be checking in and talking about it more and more because it is um, such an important time. All right. I think I want to, let me wrap up a couple things. Oh, I got an email from one of you, uh, I, I got an email from one of you asking about Phyllis Schlafly. So let me just pause and do this. Phyllis Schlafly, I've talked about her a lot on the program. The best way to know more about her... Uh, someone was watching the re- the Mrs. America uh, FX TV show uh, that's also over on, on Hulu, and they were asking about her. The best thing I can tell you is go to com. that's our website, and check out her um, writings. We have all of her Phyllis Schlafly reports, and if you sample in those, you, I mean, we have biographies of hers, we have books of hers, you're welcome to buy. A Choice Not an Echo is her most famous book. I, I received a message the other day that um, one of the big podcasts is going to do a book review uh, of A Choice Not an Echo. They want to talk about some of the classic. In in uh, American political uh, life, but that's and that's great. If you buy that book, fine. But if you sample her writings and you can read about her biography, you know her, her background on our site, phyllisschlafly.com dot com. But that's a way to get a taste of her and her writings is to go to our website because we have up posted up there hundreds and hundreds, thousands of uh, of her columns, of her uh, newsletters, of her commentaries. She did uh, th- over eight thousand three minute radio commentaries over her a long uh, career. So. PhyllisLaughlin.com. Thank you for that uh, email from one of our folks. All right, we got to run. Thank you as always to Noah, our great technical director. Thank you to Joanna for booking our guests, and thank you for listening. We will be back next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then.
0: This is the Pro America Report on the Answer, San Diego.